Hey, welcome back to another edition of All Things Evangelism. You're here with the host, Matt, and my special guest, Abel Yorgaleski. Abel is North New South Wales Conference General Secretary, and just want to thank you, Abel, for coming on to All Things Evangelism to talk with me a little bit today about Acts chapter 8. Thanks, Matt, for having me, and uh, yeah, very good welcome to all of those that are listening. Yes. So today we're talking about the seven steps in soul winning that can be discovered in Acts chapter 8. And yeah, this is going to be a real practical podcast. And so I'm really excited. Sometimes we focus on the abstract. And today we're going to focus a little bit more on practical steps that we can see in Acts chapter 8. Now, you want to just give us a, a summary overview, Abel, of what's happening there, and then we can just jump into the text and read through it? Sure. Look, this is, a, by some people, a very well-known story. It's about one of the, the early Christians at the time of the apostolic church in the first century. It's about Philip. He was firstly appointed as a deacon for the early church to care for the widows, for the orphans, to provide food, shelter, clothes to those in need. But what's interesting is this deacon that was called initially to serve at the tables, as they were saying, he ended up serving people and leading them into the kingdom of God through his ministry. And I think what's really important to understand from the very beginning is that as they appointed people in the apostolic church, one of the criteria was this, for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So no matter what role you are called to, to fulfill in the church, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will definitely lead others to Jesus Christ. And this is what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 26 through to 40. It's the incredible story of this deacon that was just waiting on God's voice to direct him where to go and what to do. He was just praying for a divine appointment. Where should I go next? What should I do? So he's a, he gets this message to go and connect with the Ethiopian. And as I said, Matt, we're going to look at the verses but basically he is given the privilege of unpacking the word of God uh, from the book of Isaiah, leading this Ethiopian to faith in Jesus Christ. Not only he presents, he makes an appeal, he baptizes and rejoices, and guess what? He moves on from then. That's and right. this is just a very brief overview of Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40 before we, we begin. That was perfect, man. So let's just jump in and begin to dive into the seven steps of soul winning. I just wanted to say to everyone, because I hadn't said this already, I think our church membership, oftentimes, we're looking for practical steps. We're looking for specific instruction. And so today's podcast, right from the Bible, right from the text of Scripture, gives very practical insight. So, yeah, this is going to be cool. I'll read. I'll begin reading from verse 25. This is Acts chapter 8. And I'll read down to verse 28. The Bible says, When they had solemnly testified and spoken of the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Parenthesis, this is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. I'll just stop right there. Stop right there. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is awesome to me, this beginning of the story. And it leads us to the first step in the seven steps of soul winnings, and that is being aware. Philip, he had to have an awareness of the Holy Spirit, right? To And how the Holy Spirit was leading him in his own personal life to be able to be led from where he was to where the Ethiopian was. So he follows the Holy Spirit down to Gaza, 
in a desert area, and then he eventually encounters this Ethiopian eunuch. So number one, practical step in the seven steps of soul winning is to be aware of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is leading you. And uh, in, in that, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, why did, why did God or why did the Holy Spirit speak to Philip and, and no one else? And there could be multiple reasons, but one that I, I think is definitely true, Philip was waiting. He was in the space, he was waiting, he wanted to get an instruction from God. My mind goes straight to the Old Testament in the times of the kings, and we get that recorded. Actually, before the times of the kings, I'm talking about the times of the judges. And we've got that reported even in, in the book of uh, Samuel, where it says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And it says, the Lord of the word, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, why is it, was it rare? Was it rare because God didn't feel like talking to humanity? Obviously, the answer is no, because he's broken hearted. He always wants to be in touch with humanity. The, the word of the Lord was rare in those days because no one was taking the time to listen to the word of the Lord. No one was, you know, wanting to hear it. And the reason why Philip ends up on this incredible and amazing life-changing mission trip is because he was just aware. He was in the space. He made himself available. And I think we've got a promise here, not only a step in, in terms of soul winning, we've got a promise that he who waits upon the Lord will be rewarded. He will get to hear the voice of God. That's right. And, and doesn't Jesus say, he that has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so... It would behoove us as Christ-following Seventh-day Adventists to develop our ability to hear the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to put the question to you to put you on the spot. And I've got a thought about this. But how does someone develop their ability to hear the Holy Spirit? Mm. Yeah, look, it is. You did put me on the spot. And I think it is a great question. Yeah. Just trying to reflect on my, own, on my own journey in trying to discover more. I think in terms of taking time to really have peace and quiet around you and, and pray claim God's promise and basically say, look, God, is there something that I need to do for you today? Is there someone? Is there something you need to impress my heart with? And I want to just briefly, I, I remember that I was once in a moment of prayer like this and waiting upon the Lord. And all of a sudden, the name of an individual came to mind. I said, oh, that's interesting. And after I finished my time with God in, in terms of prayer and study, I rang that person. And at the other end of the call was like, oh, yeah, look, I've been in hospital for the last two days. I didn't mention this to anyone because I, was, I wanted to see who was going to reach out to me first. Ah. And I said, look, the reason why I'm calling you today is because I was praying and God brought your name to my attention. That's the only reason. Otherwise, I would have had no clue that you would be here. And I'm not saying that this happens all the time, but I think when we shut down every other noise, we make room for God to speak to us. And we know he's not going to speak in, in contrary to the word of God that we have it written, but he will probably bring people, situations to our mind that we can reflect, pray, call, approach, and, and so forth. Or maybe we've got a, a burden to go and do something. We've got that, that drive, that hunger, desire. I love it. That's such a great point. One thing that I'll add, and it's something that I've learned in my journey with Jesus, and that is there are things I know the Holy Spirit is saying to mm. me. I know. Yes. And the, the more I follow the Spirit's convicting power in the, in the areas where I just am completely sure He's speaking to me, the more I'm able to hear Him in these other areas, mm. like where, who to speak to, where to witness, who to witness to, these kinds of evangelistic questions. I think they work themselves out when I'm being obedient in my own personal life with God and with Jesus. So if this is a simple analogy, but I think we all know that we're supposed to pray, that prayer 
like Ellen White says that prayer is the breath of the soul. And so air is the most important thing to sustaining human life. And therefore prayer would, according to Ellen White, be the most important thing to maintaining spiritual life. So I know I get convinced all the time by reading scripture, just by the convicting power of the spirit that I need to bring my concerns to God and my cares to God and my thoughts to God and relate to God as a friend in prayer. But um, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not being faithful to my conscience in that one particular area, then I'm not developing my spiritual antennas, my spiritual capacity to hear the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right, Matt. And I'm thinking in terms of prayer, it's not just praying to God and say, God, may the gospel be proclaimed to every nation, kingdom, tongue, and people. I think praying for that is great. But I think we need to take it a step further and say, God, what can I do so that the gospel is proclaimed to every nation, kingdom, tongue, and people? Because we're talking about this first day being aware. So we need to be aware of this, of the presence of God. We need to be aware of his calling, of his purpose. Philip was aware and he wanted to be part of this. The reason why God sent him, because he was aware there is, a, there is something for him to do. Yeah. So the last thing I'm going to say about this point, and it's something that I can't believe I didn't think of already, but it just hit me. I really believe that intentional outreach ministry, like participating in outreach ministry that's intentional, develops your spiritual awareness and your awareness of how the Holy Spirit is working. It's like common logic, right? The more you do something, the more comfortable you get in the space, in that space. So I have spent a good amount of my, my Christian life doing evangelistic outreach ministry. And a lot of times I, I didn't know how to hear the Spirit. I didn't know where the Spirit's leading and where the Spirit's not leading. But as I interact with people time after time, with the intention of sharing the gospel with them, you learn because you're working in conjunction with the Spirit. So the more you work in conjunction with the Spirit, trying to reach out to people, the more familiar you become with how the Holy Spirit acts and works. And you get to read, you begin to read better the impressions of the Holy Spirit on other people and upon yourself. And so I think we can sometimes make understanding the Holy Spirit and hearing the Holy Spirit like more of a spiritual thing than it is, if that makes sense. That's a weird thing to say. But practically speaking, if I'm actively trying to be a positive blessing to other people in their life and share Jesus and my faith and testify, I'm going to get better at it. It's just, it's not because I'm getting better, but because, yeah. And there's this uh, powerful statement where Peter says, we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit. God is given to those who obey. So it's, he's talking about in the context of the gospel commission, obeying the commission to preach the gospel to every creature. So as, as we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, we're going to become more acquainted with him because the Holy Spirit's in the business of proclaiming the gospel. So Abel, it's evident from this passage that Philip, along with the rest of the disciples, were preaching the gospel in villages in Samaria. Now, that makes sense to me because villages are where the people were. So if you're going to preach the gospel, if you're going to win souls, it's best to be where they are, right? That's right. (laughs) In the village. uh, But the Spirit says to him, go to the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Go out in the bush. Is there something there for us? Look, I think I love the detail that we find in the Bible, and we know that nothing is by accident or coincidence here. And it says, go down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and then, as you mentioned, this is desert. Like, as an evangelist, why would you go in the middle of nowhere? There's definitely no crowd. And I find it really fascinating because it sends him to the desert, but then later on we found enough water or a baptism. So what seems to not to make sense at the beginning is definitely full of sense from God's perspective. But I think one of the lessons that we're learning here in terms of obedience is that even when it doesn't make sense, it's best to follow God's advice. And I'm at we, we're chatting about this. God 
decided to, to send Philip out of his way in order to reach one particular individual. You know, he's not saying, look, go to this city and you'll find an amazing crowd of thousands of people or go to this place and you'll find this, this, this whole household waiting for you, but rather get, go down this road, this desert, but you'll find one individual that is seeking me and I have prepared his heart for this encounter with you. And it's impossible for us not to think of the way Jesus uh, went out of his way to meet the woman at the well in the land of Samaria. For one woman, he changed the trajectory of his trip because there was this precious soul that he wanted to lead to salvation. So again, obedience to God's plan. Amen. So being aware of the Holy Spirit's leading, having spiritual antennas up and ready to hear and be led. And then number two, be obedient. And sometimes being obedient to the Spirit is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. But as you said, being obedient to the Spirit is going to bring more success than how smart we are. or how. You know. and, and we see that throughout the Bible, Matt. Look at the beginning, Noah building the ark. He was obedient to God. Everyone, everyone else was foolishness. Why would you do such a thing? It didn't make sense, yet he went ahead doing what God had instructed him to do. And it shows that obedience was the right thing for him to do. Because when you've got that relationship with Christ, you trust that whatever he tells you is for your own benefit. You're looking at um, Joshua. God tells him, circle the, the city of Jericho this number of times and then you just shout and everything will tumble down. It doesn't make sense and yet you do it because you follow it through. You follow what God tells you to do. And the list goes on with examples of the importance of obedience, especially when to our understanding it doesn't make sense. Like, why would you do such a thing? But yet from God's perspective, it's like, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Amen. God's a miracle working God and he's assigned us work in ministry that requires miracles. It requires divine power to succeed. That's so good. Hey, Abel, do you want to read for us the next two verses? And that would be verse 29 and 30. Well, actually, I think it's, I don't think we read No, I'll pick up from 28 to 30 then. So we're talking about this Ethiopian that was returning. Verse 28, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him, and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Perfect. Okay. Step number three, as far as I can tell here, the word, the wording that I'll use is be interested. So be aware, be obedient, and be interested. You've got Philip. He's being led of the Holy Spirit. He's obedient to the Holy Spirit. And he hears, he hears this guy. He's reading. And he, he goes near to his chariot and he asks him a question. He questions him about, about what he's reading. And I think that's pretty cool. Like, I'm interested. I want to know what you're reading. I'm curious. And I think there's a lot to be said for being curious <laughs> and interested about other people. And this is cliche for sure, but I think it's still valid. And that is, you, you've heard this before. Nobody cares how much until they know how much you care. As I say that, I get convicted because I'm such a utilitarian by nature. I'm just a utilitarian. You know, I'm the kind of guy, I'm very practical in my approach to almost everything. If, if you need me, I'm here for you. I want to help when I can help. But And so sometimes I can fall personally into this trap of not showing how much I care about people. Mm-hmm. And, and then you think to yourself sometimes, I, I don't know if you've ever done this, Abel. You probably never have because you're too nice of a guy. <laughs> why isn't this person just listening to me? Just why are they not listening to me? Didn't they hear what a brilliant articulation I made of this subject? Or don't they see the logic? Don't they get the logic? Don't they hear 
how compelling of a case I've made? Why are they being so illogical? Why are they being so stubborn? And it's because people are emotional beings. They're relational beings. And when I'm not helping someone to see that I actually care about them, then it makes it hard for them to want to listen to me. And, and just a flow from what you're saying, I'm looking here and I'm thinking, what would have been my approach in, in this situation? Because what Philip is doing, he's asking a question. Do you understand what you are reading? So he, he triggers a conversation, basically gives the Ethiopian the opportunity to ask for help or guidance or something in that journey, spiritual journey. Probably I could fall into the trap instead of asking that question. I could say, hey, I hear you reading Isaiah. Let me explain that to you with the assumption that I already know more about this than you do. And I can you know, bring this in love and that can turn some people off, if you know what I mean in, in saying that. But what Philip is doing, he is basically setting the stage. You know, do you really understand? So all I'm asking is, if you need help, just reach out. I'm here. I'm not pushing myself if, if you're not ready. So maybe in a way he was testing, testing the, the ground. Is this fertile ground? Is this the person that God has brought me to? Uh, because something that I'm struggling in my mind is like, the, the angel said, go and overtake this chariot. In my mind, is that doesn't mean go beyond the chariot, appear as if you're going to walk by, as if you're not meant to talk to this person. So I'm not sure to what, to what extent Philip received clear instructions, but he was testing, you know, is this fertile ground? Do I need to stop now? That's a great point. He's not asserting himself as a dominant figure over this other human mm -hmm. being. That makes it easier when you know that someone's just asking you a question and you're free now just to explain, to share versus a person asserting themselves as like your authority and they don't even know you. It's almost in a way he's respecting his humanity, his dignity as a human being. When I was first converted, Abel, I went to this mission school and the people there, it was extraordinary. I had never met people in my whole life who knew scripture so well. And yeah, it was powerful. And these people, oftentimes, they'd be reading a text or having a conversation about scripture or some concept. And they'd look at me, a brand new convert, and say, hey, what do you think, Matt? What, what do you think about this text? And it was so clear that they were genuinely interested in what I had to say. And that really strengthened me. It gave me a lot of confidence because I thought, wow, these people, they're so amazing. They're so spirit-filled and they're so knowledgeable, but they're genuinely interested in what I have to say, which communicated a humility that made me trust them. So I thought, well, I could really trust these people because they're amazing. They're giants. They're spiritual giants, but they actually want to listen to me. And I, I could tell that they really did not believe that they knew it all. And so they really, when, I, when they asked me a question, I could tell they were listening, really searching themselves for answers. And, and that just that that humility really was was compelling for me. And, and back to your point, uh, Matt, in terms of being interested in this one is, as we were saying, Philip could have just approached the, the, the chariot and say, hey, let me jump with you in the chariot and I'll explain everything to you. He could have made that assumption or just so pure interest to say, look, let me see if you're really interested in, in finding more because as we read in, in verse 31, the Ethiopian is the one that invites Philip to join him in the chariot to sit down and unpack the scriptures. And I think that's sometimes we, we need to get our steps. The Holy Spirit is the only one that knows when a heart is fertile and ready to receive more. When the heart is made of good soil for the seed of truth to be planted in. And we've got in the books Acts of the Apostle by Ellen White says, as the angel led Philip to the Ethiopian today, angels are ready to lead those that are willing to be led and encounter people that have been prepared by God. So wow. I think that's really important to know because sometimes we may try maybe to convert someone that the Holy Spirit hasn't really 
worked upon uh, instead of following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I get you. Totally. The next few passages here, I'll just, I'll pick them up. Beginning again in verse 31, it says, this is the Ethiopian responding to Philip's question about whether he understood what he was reading. And he said, how could I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture, which he was reading was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he doesn't open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation for his life is removed from the earth? The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me um, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Wow. So man, before we even get into a, a step of soul winning, this statement of the Ethiopian eunuchs, I find to be so awesome. How can I know what in the world I'm reading unless God sends someone to help me learn? What humility and this guy's wealthy. He's powerful. He sits in the court of a queen. He's he's going to a different country, a foreign country to, to, to seek God. And he's worshiping with the Jews at the feast, at the festival. And so you've got a guy who's willing to cross cultural barriers, national borders, to just seek God, the true God, and knowledge about the true God. And then he's in his chariot heading back home and he's studying the scriptures because he's fired up from being with the people of God. And and he's just so humble when Philip speaks with him. I just think that's a beautiful thing. And him saying, how can I understand fully unless God's son sends a person to me? This highlights the fact that God uses people to speak through to other people. And Jesus in Luke 10, 16, he says, he that hears you hears me. And he that hears me, hears the one who sent me. And we're ambassadors. And, and so an ambassador doesn't speak for themselves. They speak for the nation that they represent. And so it's very important that we always understand that we are the tool that God wants to use to speak to people. And God does use other people to speak to us as well. And But at the same time, I've had people ask me the question about this verse. They're like, okay, hey, so how do we balance this verse you know, against the fact that some people act like Pope, you know, like that they can tell other people exactly what they're supposed to believe. Is this verse trying to say that we go to men as authority, we learn truth? And you know how, and, and I, I say what Jesus says in Matthew 23, that we should call no man on earth our teacher. For one is your teacher, that is God in heaven. For me to balance this out is, is to say, as long as you understand and realize that a person is not, a human person is not the authoritative figure, but that God just uses people as his instruments of communication and through the person to the God who's working behind them. And that's the way to function. And then ultimately, the authority is the scripture and what the Holy Spirit is saying through the scripture. And when a man's voice contradicts the scriptural teaching of the Bible, then you go with the Bible. And then I know, by the way, that somebody would respond to that perhaps and say, oh, how's about when you've got different people saying different things about the Bible? And and I don't know as much as someone else. And that tell me I should believe something, but I just don't see it that way. What I always resort to personally is I say, Jesus taught that whoever would be willing to do what God asks him to do will understand the doctrine. And he says this in John 7 and verse 17. So the surefire way to know that we will be followers of the true teachings of scripture, it's if we have a heart of willing obedience to follow what God reveals to us. He'll always lead us to truth. The spirit will always lead us to truth. But um, there's a, I guess there's a, te- a tension that needs to be yes, maintained there. Yeah. Yes, we need other people to help us to grow and to teach us 
because God uses other people. But at the same time, we can't relate to those people as if they're God. Look, you really got a spot on there with these statements. And is a, just a follow-on from that. I'm looking at this situation here in Acts chapter 8. We've got an Ethiopian. So he's no longer a Jew. We've got a different nation here altogether. He's a eunuch, which in the past, they were cut off from that encounter with worship and God. And I see here a fulfillment of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where God, first of all, says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The gospel, we're talking about being uh, meaningful. It needs to be contextualized to every nation so that the, the message doesn't change. Probably the, the form in which it's packaged, it can change and you unpack it and you explain it. But the message is the same. And what's the role of Philip? Where Jesus in that, in that great commission, in the last commission, as he was ascending into heaven, says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So the, the idea of teaching is important in the act of evangelism. How could they hear unless there is someone there to tell them? We've got that in Romans. How can someone believe unless someone tells them? So while we can't really assume that every person is correct in their exposure of, of the scriptures, we do have the word of God as the main authority. But there is a role for you and me and for others to be able to teach the gospel and help others understand the role uh, and the mission of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's right. That's right. And verse 5 gives us that. It gives us that fourth step in soul winning. And that was, he was contextual, meaning he started where the eunuch was in his explanation of the gospel. So it says it explicitly, and beginning where he was. And so he was in Isaiah yes, 53, yes. he was considering what Isaiah 53 meant. And since that's where his interest lay, then Philip began right there, Isaiah 53. And so the equivalent would be, I have a friend, he's super fired up about his career, and he is an EMT, right, an emergency medical tech. And maybe, this is just a crude illustration, but maybe as I interact with this particular friend, it would be good when I share with them about my faith in Christ and my love for God and for Scripture. I could emphasize the, the elements of the gospel where Jesus is a lifesaver, where he's a person who commits himself, his time, his energy, and his effort to those who are hurting and those who are in an emergency situation. He's the divine EMT who steps in. And it's a simple illustration, but it does well. Like I saw this movie once when I was a kid. It's a great movie. You'll remember it. Abel? Depends. Uh, it's, it's, it was called Crocodile Dundee. It was the best movie ever made about an Australian. <laughs> so it's about this outback guy and he's just wild. And anyways, he meets an American journalist and comes to America. And it's this funny story of an outback Australian who interacts with people from New York City. At one point in the movie, Jesus comes up. The idea of Jesus comes up. And I don't remember who asked Crocodile Dundee about Jesus, but they said something about Jesus and, and his disciples. And Crocodile Dundee was a fisherman. And he said, yeah, Jesus and me, we'd be mates. We'd be mates. We'd be, we'd be good friends because, you know, he was... He hung out with fishermen like me. He spent time with fishermen That's like me. In common, and it's, yeah. kind of cute. it's cute, but it's a good point. It's a great point. It, it just highlights the fact that if the guy's a fisherman, start where he is. And, and as you share Jesus, then communicate Jesus as a fisherman. Like he was a fisherman and he hung out with fishermen. And so you just got to be smart. We don't have to be smart in the sense that you can't be a good witness if you're not super smart. But you have to put some thought, I think, into how we approach people sometimes. And it, it's not that hard to do. You know, I knocked on a guy's door one time and he was like in his garden. And so I just talked about God being a gardener, planted a garden. And God loves 
to teach us through nature. And we'd start talking. We talked for like 15, 20 minutes about this. And he was interested. And he never considered that perspective about God. So there's there's a couple more points here. We, we've covered four of the seven points. Number one, being aware of the Holy Spirit's moving. Number two, being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Number three, would be interested slash asking questions. Number four, be contextual. Start where the people are in your witness to, to the people. Number five and six and seven are be bold. Philip was very bold, very brave, and he preached Jesus to this man. Number six, he was ready for results. The man wants to be baptized. He, he was ready. He, had, he wasn't afraid to succeed, and he wasn't afraid to move forward with a person into baptism when that person was ready. And that could be expanded upon and talked about for a long time. Number seven is being intentional, being a friend. And we see through this whole narrative that you've got a guy, he's Jewish. His, his ethnic, he's an ethnic and religious Jew who's converted to this sect of Christianity. And he, he doesn't allow those national barriers and you know cultural, social, racial barriers to keep him from being a friend. And he's a friend of this guy. And he cares for him like a brother, like a child of God. And that's a beautiful thing. And so how about this? Yeah, no, um, just picking up on uh, the um, number five in terms of being bold. I think that's very important for our, for all of us, including our listeners, to consider. Philip didn't back up by saying Jesus could be one of the ways for salvation and there could be other gods. If you're going back to your country, you worship what you've been worshiping all this time. No, he's, he's unapologetically saying Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. He probably was very aware of the sermon that we have recorded in Acts chapter 4, in which we are told that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So I believe he was making that very clear to the Ethiopian that Jesus is the only way. And we've got nothing to, to be ashamed. And I think we, I just want to encourage our listeners, whoever you are out there listening, Jesus is the only way. It will be at the pronouncement of his names that people will bow down and worship. So be bold and courageous in the name of Jesus Christ. And also we are told it is in his name that all promises are, I am, they, they are real. Be ready for results. I think this is, this is that grain of master. It's, it's the idea of faith. We can't really work with that anticipating. God wants us to see beyond. God wants us to see the fruit. He appointed us to bear fruit and he wants us to see that in the future. He wants us to rejoice. Paul does tell us one will plant, another will water, but it is the Holy Spirit who gives the increase. It is the Spirit that leads Philip to this desert road and it is the Spirit that decides I want Philip to rejoice in this fruit. So sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't, but we need to anticipate it. We need to believe it. We need to look forward to it. And uh, final one, as you mentioned, be a friend. It's just the, the idea of loving God and loving others and being a friend. It is the, the summary of the gospel. It is the summary of the call that God has bestowed upon us. And there is no greater joy than to be able to walk in the waters of baptism with a friend, someone that you've invested, someone that you, you've worked with, someone that you want to see in the kingdom of heaven. So be such a wonderful friend that you'll be able to lead others to Jesus Christ through these steps. Amen. Amen. And we'll, we're just going to close with those thoughts. Abel. Thank you so much, brother, for joining me. Thank you guys for listening in with us in the All Things Evangelism podcast. It's my prayer. It's my hope that through these short presentations every week, that you'll be more encouraged, more inspired to share your faith in Christ and to share the truth of Scripture with those in your life. I believe 100% that uh, God has arranged circumstances in your life so that if you are like Philip, aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing, and if you're obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to some degree, to some extent, 
you will have the joy of seeing people impacted for eternity for the kingdom of God and saved. And yeah, um, may we all tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives and, and receive God wholeheartedly in every aspect of our lives so that we can be these kinds of representatives in the world. So God bless you guys. Have a fantastic week. We will see you next week and take care. Thanks, man. God bless everyone.